Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. One of those names in the Old Testament that people just seem not to name their children after. I am so glad you're here. You know, I I love it. We get here early on, um, we get here early on Sunday morning. And I sit up here on the platform and then I'll sit in the back and just praying over all of you. Whoever's going to be here. I look around now and I think of people that aren't here and I miss them and going to be contacting them this week. But I'm so glad that you're here. Are we ready to hear God's word? Even if it challenges us, this is a challenge. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would open your word. Lord, we are so glad that your spirit is here. There is the prompting from your spirit that desires to teach us to open our eyes. Lord, we can't make people do anything, but I pray that you, your spirit, would help us understand. We do, we truly need your wisdom your insight. We are here on purpose. We are here. We have been trained to one degree or another to do what we are called to do. We hear your word, we obey, and the training takes place. We rest in you. Lord, there's a calling now. We see things I pray that we would react and respond in obedience. We would trust and obey. I pray in Christ's name, amen. There was a pastor in American history by the name of Jonas Clark. He was actually born Christmas Day in Lexington, Massachusetts. Graduated from Cambridge University at the age of 22 and became a pastor there. And he pastored for half a century, actually had a 60-acre farm that he worked while pastoring to help his family. During his time, a revolution came. A certain night, some of you might remember this date, April 18th. 1775, there were two men that wound up at Pastor Clark's home, Samuel Adams and John Hancock. Later that night, as those two men were there, there was a man by the name of Paul Revere that came charging in on his horse, declaring to them, the British are coming. These two men who knew that they had a target on their back when it came to the British, 
looked at Pastor Clark and they said, will your people fight? Pastor Clark looked at them and said, I have trained them for this hour. Think about that. The very next day, 70 of his church members, black and white, stood before over 700 British soldiers, redcoats. They were told this, disperse, ye villains. Lay down your arms in the name of George, the sovereign king of England. They're not sure exactly who it was that called back this. It could have been the pastor, but it might have been somebody else. But the response to that was this. We recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. Right after that, not sure who did it, but right after that, there was what history records, the shot heard round the world. Right after it was done, 18 men, black and white, lay dead, members of his church. They gave their full measure of devotion. Our Almighty God places people in different situations and circumstances, always with purpose. His ultimate purpose is the rebirth of that heart, trusting Christ as Savior, being born again, bought by the blood of the Lamb. But then they're called in their lives to do and to be something. That's what we're here for. In every generation, though, there is this kind of call, and we can understand it. Why doesn't God do something? Just like people in the Old Testament, in Israel, just like people 250 plus years ago in our nation, we look around and we think of what we can do, but then it's, Lord, we're desiring you to do something as well. I got to meditating on this, and I want to ask you a question. I got to meditating on this, not thinking when, it, you know, coming strictly from a, a, an American history perspective, but from God's perspective. Do you know that today is the 20th Communist Congress in China? That president that they have there, he is going to declare himself permanent. At least that's his desire. He is looking not just to Southeast Asia, he wants China to rule the world. 
Not only does he want China to rule the world, he wants China to rule the moon. In other words, anything, if it's, in within, if it's within reach, they're gonna take it. Now, I know what our response would be. Try and take it. But let me ask you, what is God's goal in our time? I mean, our brother talked about it. He, he prayed. It's souls, amen? What if God's desire, what if God's will was this? In order for more souls to come to me, America is doomed. It's going to fall. It's going to collapse. It might even happen this year, maybe next year, whatever. Can I ask you this? In the light of eternity, for the sake of seeing people come to Christ, would you be good for that? Would you say amen? Let it fall. Folks, we have sin that's reaching up to heaven. This place is wicked as the day is long, not the least of which is the state of California. I'll be bringing up just a couple of these things. But the point is this, how are we looking at the world? How are we responding? And what is our passion? What is our passion? Just very quickly, first thing we see here is a man known as a seer. That's Habakkuk. If there was ever a heavy message, (laughs) Habakkuk had one. It was bad. The word you find, he did see. What the Bible would talk about, if there was somebody that the Lord was giving a vision and he was receiving them, they would see somewhat into the future. That's why he was known as a seer. Habakkuk was perplexed. There were things going on that were wicked. They were violent. Lord, is there no end to the rising sin? Can we identify? Think of it. Habakkuk, what he knows to do because he's a prophet and he knows his God, he goes to God and says, why don't you do something? And God's response was, I am doing something. Yeah, but, but, but wait a minute, Lord, hold, hold on. You see, most Old Testament prophets proclaimed divine judgment. Habakkuk, he was pleading for it, but not on his own country. He was pleading for it on another country. Commentators say that this date of this letter was likely between 606 and 604 BC. When the Babylonians rebelled against the Assyrians, Judah wound up having a little bit of relief. Because of their relief, there were other things that a a pastor, (laughs) a king by the name of Josiah could focus on. 
They had a revival. Assyria is going after Babylon, vice versa. But eventually, this is what would take place. Babylon would overtake Judah and take them captive. On the eve of that battle, of all this that would take place, in a time of uncertainty and fear amongst all the people, what are the potentials? Habakkuk wrote this message. I can think of what Christians might be thinking right now. Now, we might just say, well, you know, the Lord's just going to take us right now. How do you know that? What if the Lord doesn't come back for 10 years? What's it going to be like? It's not going to be good. We have people that are looking at America right now seeking its doom, and they have the potential to do it. And our own president is talking about nuclear war. People are getting disturbed. Well, what do Christians do? Hang tight on that thought. Josiah had been a good king, but he died in battle. His son took over. That was not a good thing. He did that which was wicked. And so what took place? He was carried off into Babylon. Shortly after that, Habakkuk again wrote this. You know, we look at situations and there are things we want God to do. And by the way, do it right now. Lord, why? Why did you let some of these bottom feeders go after Jennifer Ruth like they did this last week? Answer, I don't know. I feel so bad. I, get, uh, I think Vivian is, is traveling right now. But my soul, I mean, <laughs> as a pastor, her former pastor, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, I was, I, I, I was praying down judgment on some of these other people, boy. And it, was, it, it hurt to see her on television, you know, as she was responding. Then I turned the attention to California here. Folks, it's stunning what is being embraced. We've already talked about some of it, some. I mean, our own governor, he, he signed a dozen bills for abortion. By the way, if there is any reason to give you to vote in November, it's to vote no on Prop 1. I'm telling you, we do not want to be awash in the blood of unborn children in this state. I am commanding you in the name of Jesus Christ to get registered and vote no on Prop 1. I, I'm not going to tell you anything else. But if the governor was here, I would tell him that. Folks, it's called murder. It's disgusting. And by the way, there's a reason that the world's most dangerous earthquake fault goes right down north and south, the west coast of California. One of these days, God is going to flip the switch and this place is going to absolutely crumble. Why? Because our sin is going to find us out. And I'm talking about California. But God help the believer that sits back and says, I don't want to get involved. 
You are involved. God puts you here. Get involved. Get involved. But then there's other things that are going on. SB 107. Newsom and his supporters say it will make California a refuge for children whose states restrict transgender treatments. Folks, this is wretched. These little kids, they don't know what they want. Satan comes along and starts messing with their minds, and then here comes physicians, lawmakers, and I use the term loosely, misguided parents. I heard one doctor say, well, you know, some of these, they they wind up being transgender while they're still in the womb. This person is nuts. She does, she, Lord, take it, take it. Look at verse two. How long, O Lord? Look at verse two. O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry it unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. We look around and people are fleeing certain parts of California They're fleeing California, period. But then you hear of other places where they say, we we, we can't put up with the violence any longer. Would any of you want to walk during the day in certain cities? When I think of where I was, how, how I grew up in certain places, I mean, even my wife and I were married in Antioch. It was a nice little town over here in the East Bay. Not anymore. Not anymore. And he's looking at these different things and saying, my soul, what do we do? When he said how long, it showed his agony. Lord, we need help. By the way, he's not the only one that prayed like this in the Old Testament. David, Psalm 13, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Psalm 22, verse 1 that, rim, that mirrors what Christ said on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Asaph in Psalm 84, oh God, why hast thou cast us off forever? The Lord's told us to pray. <laughs> then it seems he doesn't answer the prayer. He cried out to God, violence. That's a strong word there. It summed up everything. Everywhere I look, there's violence. What's the answer? You know what the answer is? We have a long-suffering God. You know what God is doing? He's putting together a time and a place in America for people to realize that he's the answer. Well, yeah, but it's, it's being awful tough. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's, there's a thought that came to me, and it's like, yeah, you, you know, we need to open our eyes to something. Are you glad for your salvation? You think other people need that as well? Praise God. I, I've, I've got an unusual situation, a great situation in my, in, my, uh, in my neighborhood right now. I have targeted four men, four neighbors. I'm going to be asking them, listen, come to the two-minute warning. Friday night, just, just come. I'll pay your way. 
get you your meal, whatever you want. They need Christ. It's been great to be talking to them. Listen, we've, we, ha- we have to see other people's spiritual needs. I don't like seeing what I'm seeing. You don't either. But you know, one day we're going to be up there and we're going to be singing how he doeth all things well. We're going to be seeing that. How long, O oh Lord? Hey, how about this? <laughs> Lord, why? Look at verse 3. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Lord, I don't understand it. What good is it to have this coming up all around us? Why do I see this? Lord, you don't like looking at it. We don't like looking at it. We have gotten to that point. Tim Schmidt and I were out this last week, and we were coming back from the Fair Oaks area, and we came up Roseville Road. How many of you have been there lately? I mean, every time you're there, it has grown. And I mean, we've got people by the hundreds that are living like this. It ought not to be. And then you start seeing video of them fighting or or shooting up drugs. It it, it grieves you. People taking advantage of other people. Then you see the videos of people, I mean, in broad daylight, without fear, going in and beating people up and robbing stores. It's happening in America. Lord, why? Why? Please, just, wait, Lord, this ought not to be. Lord, why are you tolerating this? We say that to our government. Silence. Look at verse 4. Therefore the law is slack, and judgment doth never go forth. For wicked, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment Proceedeth. They had gotten to this place where the law, does this sound familiar? The law was paralyzed. You talk to people, they, they don't do anything. They don't do anything. Civic justice, Habakkuk says, never prevails. People are being done wrong. The reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up, this, this is why I... This is why I entitled this message, you know, living in Habakkuk's shoes in America. This is where we are, just like him. Now, his situation was worse, but we're looking down and we're seeing the same thing. There's something that we need to understand here. And again, just different thoughts, just bringing it in as we march on to the answer. We are here on a lost and dying world. One of these days, this will be over with. Let's get this straight. As long as we are here, not only will we see sin, but we will see sin succeed. 
There are people where we have seen sin overcome and it breaks our hearts. But I believe part of what is happening here is this. God needs to show the wretchedness of sin. There are people that were living the American dream and they now realize that dream has become a nightmare. There are people that escaped different countries around the world. They came to America and now they're going, are you kidding me? Did you see those Muslims in Dearborn, Michigan? They're absolutely coming apart at the school board because the school board is bringing in absolute wickedness into the library and those people were there by the hundreds and they were screaming at those people. How dare you do this to our children? There are people that are getting fed up. It's taking place and it needs to. It needs to. Because people need to recognize that sin is not just a pastime. It destroys. Remember, the wages of sin is death. Not just a tougher time. It is death. And then God brings his grace. How do we know that? Romans 5. But where sin abounded... Grace did much more abound. Sin abounded, and it's abounding. God's grace, as we will see tonight, far outshines it. So, Lord, why? How long, Lord? And God brings, he begins to bring his answer. Look at verse 5. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Now, we can get excited about that. Praise God, you're going to do something. He says, yeah, but you're not going to like it. No, no, Lord, it's from you. Okay. In one year, America will not exist. It will truly be the USSA. By the way, there are people that are working on that right now. No, it's not going to happen. We're going to have a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a great election. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There are people that will still work their wickedness. No, no, no. QAnon said, forget QAnon. I'll trust, I'll, I'll trust Jesus Christ. My God is the one it's, he's not just looking at things. He is moving. He says, I will work a work in your day. By the way, God is working a work right now. The problem is there are too many Christians that are on the sideline just watching. Too many. Now, why is that? You know, you talk, to, you, you talk to different people, and I've talked, you know, pastors, we, we look at things. You know, we have, to, we have to understand this. There are things like COVID that did change us. They affected, they affected all of us. It was meant to. It was meant to. And they're not through yet. 
This is, these are not people sitting over to the side and going, you know, it's amazing what's happened in America. Let me tell you, you know, from my perspective, no, they want this. There are people today, they're talking about a great reset. It's happening. There are people today that are talking about a, a, a different type of America where, for instance, you'll own nothing and you'll love it. That's the truth. Let me tell you, God is working a work. He is pulling away what we have here in this world and making us realize anew this world is not our home. But we are in the midst of, Lord, still, why? Lord, there are people in different nations that desire our downfall. They're more wicked than we are. Well, number one, we're not the judge of that. God says all have sinned. But secondly, just like he did with Babylon, just like he did with Assyria, he'll use more wicked people to bring his people to the point where they say, Lord, thy will be done. Lord, we are amazed at all this. Look at verse 6. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. He's saying, I raise them up. I'm doing this. We need to understand this, that when there are people that come here that wind up taking us where we would not be, it's God's doing. And I rejoice in that because my God loves me and he loves you too. But again, let us think. Now, I'm going to be leaving a lot out from Habakkuk. This is not a concise message of the entire book. Would you please go to chapter 2? Look at verse 1. This is Habakkuk talking. And he says, okay, I hear you, Lord. Look at verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He's looking at a conversation. God says, no, you're not going to watch. You're going to write. Look at verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. He said, Habakkuk, get your pen out. You're going to be putting together a book. Here's the point. We look around and it's like, Lord, Really, this is going to happen? Now, now, wait a minute, Lord. i got to stop. I want to see what you're doing. You know God has a purpose for us, and he has commands. He says, Faith Baptist, you're not going to sit back and just talk about what the preacher said. You're not just going to talk about what you're, what you're seeing online or you're hearing in the news. You've got a job to do. And folks, we have a job to do. You've got neighbors, I've got neighbors, we have co-workers, we have friends. Again, are we glad for our salvation? Is there a face that can come to your, to your mind right now 
Is there a face that you comes to your mind? It's like, you know, I've got a burden for this person. Praise God. Pray over the burden. Do what you can. The point is this, just like Habakkuk, just like him, we're not called to just sit back and have a conversation. We are called to do something. Go ye into all the world. Well, I can't go into all the world. No, but you've got a street that you live on. You've got a street that you live on. Verse three, chapter two. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Interesting verse here. I just wanted to bring this up. He's talking prophecy. This is quite a book, honestly. It's not just a thing of looking in the near future. He's looking way ahead. He's looking at the fall of the Babylon in the tribulation. This is interesting stuff. This is a future goal. It pants toward the end, someone said. Now, there's something that's taking place in Habakkuk right now. And I think it's great. Habakkuk started out in fear. He's now moving to faith. Look at chapter three, verse one. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shagoniath. O Lord, I have heard thy speech. By the way, is God speaking this morning? I have heard thy speech. And I was afraid. That's not fear of the world. That's the fear that I've been talking about just a few weeks ago. That's the fear of God. I've heard thy speech, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. You see, when you, when, when you have the fear of God, suddenly you desire the work of God. You understand the will of God. And it's, and it's like, Lord, please take what you do and, and Lord, revive it. That's what we want here. I don't want to see America fall, but I am convinced that America is going to fall. We know it's going to fall sometime in the future. But I believe it's going to be something that God will use that will glorify himself. But Lord, when you're doing that in wrath, remember mercy, please. Now, he's already talked about this in verse 5 of chapter 1. For I will work a work in your days which you will not believe. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to trust him. Look at verse 16. When I heard, again, we're skipping a lot. You go back and read it. It's only three chapters, but look at verse 16. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. For when he cometh upon the people, he will invade them with his troops. Oh, Lord, when I see what's happening, 
when I see that, Lord, this was my response, this is my flesh, but he is going to tell God, this next verse is, is just wonderful. I'm going to trust you. Now, now look, I don't like saying I see America collapsing. I hate it. I love America. I love that flag. I don't like it when we look at the history like we did in Lexington this morning. They were trained for this hour. I was trained to love America. How many of you were trained the same way? I'm not trained to love a person. I mean, except Christ. I'm talking about humanly speaking. It's this place and what God brought us in. But this place has sinned, and we see prophets in the Old Testament that said, be sure your sin will find you out. And now we have the same thing. Just like Habakkuk, he starts out, Lord, why? And in chapter 2, the Lord tells him, you write. And now he's gone to faith. Look at verse 17. This is stunning. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now now listen to that. He is saying, he's painting the worst possible outcome. Everything fails. The fields, the trees, the cattle, all of it. Though all of it fails, absolute ruin when Babylon comes. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Folks, if things absolutely go south, if we don't have another fair election, if we don't have an election, and the Constitution winds up being just an old piece of paper in Washington, D.C., that people come and look at and think, oh, boy, that's really interesting. If that happens, will we be able to rejoice in the Lord? Will we? I don't like the thought of it, but I embrace it. In fact, it's interesting, the name Habakkuk means embrace. Some people, some scholars think that Habakkuk might have been the son of the Shunammite woman. Thou shalt embrace a son, she was told by the prophet. Don't know. Point is this. He says, Lord, even though the buildings are destroyed, everything is plundered, the orchards, the farms, everything devastated, all of that, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm not desiring it. I'm just saying we are here in his hands. The will of the Lord be done. Verse 19, 
the Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places. By the way, I am told that in the Hebrew, this, this book right here mirrors the Psalms more than any of the minor prophets. He was a very musical prophet. That's why he says to the chief singer on my stringed instruments, this was to be sung. He was able, he is saying, to stand like a sure-footed deer. By the way, he's not the only one. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 40, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Same thing is, uh, is said in Psalm 18. I don't like talking about this, but I see that, that if, if God causes something where there are specific outcomes in people's lives where they'll come to him, then he will do it. Now, we don't know, but I'm going to trust God to be the judge of all that. We've talked about this before. How many of you, you look back and you still grieve in September of 2001 of what took place, September 11th? I don't know how many of you heard the story, but there was a man by the name of Al Bracca he worked for Cantor Fitzgerald. He was on the 104th floor working there September 11th. He and his wife had prayed. They weren't even saved at the time. They prayed for a granddaughter to be healed. She was healed. They both trusted Christ as Savior. They were going to church at a Calvary Chapel in New Jersey. The people that he worked for made fun of him. They called him the Rev. When the bombing took place in 1993, as the people were there and they heard what was going on and they were getting the escape and all that, they said, hey, Rev, you're praying for us? Oh, I got you, man. But then this took place. And it wasn't very long that it was very apparent they weren't going to get out. People were on the phone and they were texting. They're saying, there's this guy, Al, he's got people praying. Apparently, he got up on his desk, something like this, and said, I'm going to heaven, who's going with me? And people gathered around his desk. Again, people texting and people on the phone saying that he had people in a circle and he was giving the gospel again and leading people to Christ. These people might not have ever listened to him. Not, they, they might not have ever gotten serious with it. Now they're dying. He got on the phone, tried to get through to his family, couldn't do it, called and called and called. 
finally just hit zero, and he got an operator by the name of Wilma. These are his words. You've got to help me. My name is Albraca. I'm in the World Trade Center, and I need to get a message to my wife and family. I feel like my feet are on fire. I'm not going to make it. Will you tell my family that I love them? Tell my wife, Jeannie, and my children that I love them. Tell them not to worry about me. He wasn't able to just talk this because the smoke was so strong, he was coughing through it. Wilma began to cry. Just please, will you tell them? She said, I will. They talked for a few more seconds, and the line went dead. Not too long after that, the building collapsed. A week later, as they were going through the rubble, out of only 100 bodies that were found this way, completely intact, Albraca was one of them that was found like that. It was not too long after that, Jeannie got a phone call from a lady named Wilma and gave his word, gave what he had said to her. You know what got him to do that in that building that day? Training. He was a soul winner. He was made fun of, but he was a soul winner. What are we trained for? What have you allowed yourself to be trained for? There's the time that we live in right now. Habakkuk, he didn't like it, but he was a seer. And God showed him what was coming, and he finally came to this point. Lord, whatever it is you want, I will trust you. Can we say that? I trust you, Lord. Now, how many of you have ever struggled with trusting God? Raise your hand. My hand is up. You see, this is what's taking place. We're being trained to trust him. People out there, they are enduring things where they're asking, where do I go? What do I do? Folks, we are in a very interesting, fascinating time. I was saying again and again, I feel like the time, you know, Jeremiah, by the way, he was a contemporary of Jeremiah. But then I read these three chapters in Habakkuk, and I think, we're Habakkuk. I mean, that's us. Lord, why? Lord, how? How long, Lord? Oh, Lord, I see. Lord, I trust you. Right. Now, just like I told Habakkuk, you do something. You do something. You know, we're, we're, we're praying. We're praying for the two-minute warning right now. But our calling is far more than that. I, 
I don't do a lot of invitations where we come forward because I think people wind up, sometimes they get tired of it or, you know, they'll, they'll come just because they don't want other people to, uh, to think little of them or like, you know, they're hard-hearted. That's why I don't do that. You need to be making choices right where you're sitting right now. But you are making choices. I will say something again that I've said several times before. Everybody who comes into a Bible-preaching church and hears the Word of God, everybody makes a choice. We've got a job to do. Amen? There's a gospel that needs to go out. There's a God that needs to be trusted and obeyed. Roger, I didn't know you were going to have us sing that. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. How many of you have a burden right now? Raise your hand. We all do. Remember how Habakkuk started? The burden of Habakkuk. As long as we're here on this earth, we're going to have a burden. Now, sometimes it's personal. But other times, oh, my soul, it's people. I have burdens right now about people, some in this church, some not. You have burdens. Some people in this church, some not. Folks, let's do the job. Whether or not we have completed training or we've gone far in it, just like those members of Clark's church, we're here for this hour. Amen? We're here for this hour. Let's take a little bit of time.